Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where I put my article content into audio format so that you can read the article or you can listen to the podcast or you can do both. We do have two podcast networks. Your Daily Drive is this one here, and then we have Life Over Coffee. Life Over Coffee is the network where I can pivot, I can flex, I can do all sorts of things, and we do have some exciting things planned for 2021. I'm going to do more interviews, Lord willing, in 2021 so that you can hear more people, and we have some other ideas, too, that we want to share with you. This is the last Your Daily Drive episode uh, in 2020. Here it is. I, it is December the 29th now. We have a couple days left. I'm only doing one Your Daily Drive article podcast a week now. I started that a few weeks back to give me a little bit more flexibility so that I can do other things. We have so much going on. It is just unbelievable, but it's all good. I shall not complain. I thank God for busyness and for the privilege to serve so many people. But since this is the last episode, Your Daily Drive, this is my last article of 2020. And I know many of you just can't wait for 2020 to be over, and I am in that number. But before I leave, I want to challenge you. And because we're rolling up on the new year, a lot of people are thinking about resolutions, or maybe you don't want to call it that, but you're thinking about this is a good time to change. I have talked to several people, maybe more than in the past, because so many people want to see some changes as we roll into 2021. I think minimally, psychologically, uh, we hope that we will feel better mentally as as the the year changes from 20 to 21. And I do think psychologically it will feel better, but I trust that it will actually be better, practically speaking. Therefore, in order to think about how you can make the next year of your life better, I want to challenge you. And so I titled this article that I've written out for you that you can read on our website and this podcast here. The title is, I Challenge You to Live 25 Years After You Die. Do You Accept? That is the title. I've thrown the challenge down. I'm asking you a question. Will you accept the challenge to live 25 years after you die? Let me explain what I am talking about. Our published mission statement for our ministry is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. There are four parts to that mission statement. Number one, help people. That's what we want to do. How do we do it? Providing practical tools. That's the second thing. Ongoing training. That's the third thing. And of course, the fourth thing, the last thing, is effective living. We hope that each person that interacts with our ministry, that they will be helped because they will receive practical tools and ongoing training if they choose to do so, and it will result in effective living. 
And if you ask me what our mission statement is, that is what I would tell you. In fact, virtually every video uh, that I do right after the introduction, I say, this is Rick Thomas. We're helping people live effective lives. That is the slogan aspect of our mission statement. But did you know that there is another mission statement that I am more passionate about? As passionate as I am about our ministry and our mission statement. In fact, I remember when we were creating our mission statement, my friend David, who is a a board member, I just had lunch with David and Mary uh, today, uh, Lucia and I did, and David is a, a board member, and we spent about six months working on this mission statement, and I remember vividly standing in the Whole Foods parking lot one time after I sent him another iteration of this mission statement, and he corrected it again, trying to uh, dial it in and and making it as succinct and uh, potent as possible. And finally, it took about six months of going back and forth, and finally we, we nailed it. And I'm very passionate about our mission statement, but did you know there is another mission statement that I am more passionate about, and it is the driving force behind all that I do. And in this episode of Your Daily Drive, in this article, again, if you want to read it, you're welcome to do it. I'm going to share with you my mission statement that I'm more passionate about, and I hope that it inspires you to create your version of it. Let me share it with you. This is what I call my unpublished mission statement, here it is, to take the gospel to every human on the planet and live 25 years after I die. This statement captures, it identifies, and it explains why I do what I do. And I'm going to break it down to you, and I trust that it makes sense, and I trust that it will inspire you enough to where you will accept my challenge. And again, the title of the podcast and the article, I challenge you to live 25 years after you die. Do you accept. Now, the first part of my unpublished mission statement, to take the gospel to every human on the planet, well, that is self-explanatory. I want to take the gospel of Christ to every human on the planet. It is the Great Commission. You know it very well as we read it at the end of Matthew's gospel. But There's a little twist here. Because of how the Lord has gifted me, when I say that I want to take the gospel to every human on the planet, I am speaking more about the practical message of Christ pertaining to our sanctification, not salvation. Now, I don't want you to hear that, well, Rick's opposed to to evangelism. He's opposed to salvation. No, I'm not saying that at all. I desire to tell anyone about their need for regeneration. I mean, Jesus did say, you must be born again, as he was talking to Nicodemus. And I I trust, by the grace of God, that I would never withhold from speaking about the human condition that requires a second birth. But due to several specific situations in my life 
and many shaping influences in my life. The Lord's writing of my life's narrative bends me toward helping people with practical everyday life issues. I can't do it, excuse me, I can't do it all, and neither can you. And so as I focus on the Great Commission, there is an aspect of the Great Commission where you could put the accent mark on evangelism, of course, but there's an accent mark, you could put the accent mark on disciple making as well. And so when I look at the Great Commission, it's the aspect about going and making disciples. And because of specific situations in my life and several shaping influences, the way that my life's narrative bends, it is toward helping people with practical everyday life issues, whether they have addictions or marriage problems, other relation relational issues, decision-making, church issues, parenting, which is a big deal, living the teenage life, living as an adult, getting married. I mean, there's all these practical issues, and though salvation is the fountainhead for any subsequent changes that we will make, because if you are not born again, then you are building your life on sinking sand. Jesus Christ is the rock, and you cannot move forward in any substantive, accumulative way without being born again initially. I mean, that, that gets you in the house. But there is a need for someone like me. There's a need for someone to be there when the believer needs help putting off their former manner of life renewing their minds, putting on Christ-likeness. That's how Paul talked about it in Ephesians 4. He was talking to the Ephesian believers, those who had been born again. They had experienced a second birth. They had been regenerated by the power of the gospel, but they struggled in their sanctification. And he said in 4, 23, 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to that, your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and and to put on a the new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so he's saying, hey, you Christians, you got saved, praise God, but you need help now that you are born again, and that's what we call sanctification. Therefore, when I talk about, when I say in my unpublished mission statement to take the gospel to every human on the planet and to live 25 years after I die, I am speaking specifically about that aspect of the Great Commission of making disciples, the process after regeneration. Now, the second aspect of my unpublished mission statement The reason to live 25 years after I die is because of the enormity of the first part, to take the practical message of Christ to the world. I knew when I came up with this mission statement, my personal mission statement, many years ago, I knew that I must extend my life beyond the grave so that those who have yet to receive our help can receive our help because of the enormity of reaching every human on the planet with the practical message of Christ. It's not going to be done in my lifetime. And so my prayer is that the Lord will accommodate my passion and my desire. Now, this is not a new mission statement, by the way. 
Jesus is the example, and he is the pace setter for this type of vision. And though he only lived 33 years, his work continues today beyond the grave. Now, I would say more than 20, more than 25 years. And so this is not something new. Jesus, he spent his life working toward taking the gospel to, to the far reaches, to the far corners of the earth, and to continue that ministry after the grave. And so what I'm doing is basically applying the life of Christ to mine. And by the way, Jesus, though he is the example and he is the pace setter, there are lesser mortals who have done something like this. I mean, for example, Dale Carnegie, he died in 1955. But his work continues to live today through those who have received his training. And so it's not like what I hope to do has no precedent. It does have a precedent. Now, I'm not, I'm not making a case for Dale Carnegie. I, I'm not that familiar with his work, slightly familiar, so I'm not promoting him. I'm just using him as an, as an illustration. But to pull off my unpublished mission statement, in order to do this, to take the practical message of Christ to every human on the planet and to live 25 years after I die, I have to implement two key elements to make it happen. And so as you listen more to this podcast, I want to talk about those two key elements that I had to implement in order to pull off my unpublished mission statement. But what I hope is that God will inspire you to think about your life. I'm not suggesting that you do what I do. I'm not suggesting that you you carbon copy this. No, not at all. But here's what I want to inspire you to do. How can you impact others after you are gone? And and what would it take for you to leave a, a legacy that has a redemptive force? Now, that's what I want you to think about. I will give you my iteration of this, how I can hopefully continue to take the message of Christ around the world and to live long after I die. But without being a carbon copy, how ask the Spirit of God to illuminate your mind, to help you to get your mind around this idea of leaving a legacy that has a redemptive force after you are gone. How profound is that, that you can speak from the grave, that you can continue to impact those who are closest to you and even those that, that you don't know and will never meet on this side of heaven? Well, for me, one of the keys to fulfilling this kind of mission, one of two, one is the redemptive use of technology. In order for me to take the practical message of Christ around the globe and to live after I die is the using technology redemptively. There is an echo of omnipresence in technology. I can be in one geographic location, as in this case in South Carolina, while communicating globally at the same time. And that's what I mean by an echo of omnipresence. I'm not omnipresent, obviously, but there's an echo of omnipresence. It is stunning grace to be able to reach around the globe with the message of Christ while situated in a singular geographic location like South Carolina. Before our current technological age, prayer 
was the only way that we could cooperate with the Lord in assisting people on the other side of the world. Today, prayer is just as effective. There is an echo of omnipresence in prayer. You may not be a technological whiz, and you may not develop something that will take you around the globe technologically, but you can, in a sense, go around the world through prayer as you cooperate with the Lord, praying for those whom you will never meet on the other side of the world. Prayer is effective. But the Lord has also given us an additional means of grace for missional activity. Prayer and technology. Who would have thought such a thing? It was 2013 when our work officially went global. We started this ministry in 2008, grinding away, writing, pushing content to whosoever would. Then our analytics revealed in 2013 that we had gone into every country for the first time. That was seven years ago. It has been that way every year since then. We have reached hundreds of thousands of people worldwide through the internet. Our website is our sanctification center. It's the hub where all the action happens. Though we use social media platforms like missional communities, places like Facebook and LinkedIn, they are not our point of focus. They are more uh, portals. I started to say mortals. They are portal portals where mortals uh, are. They are portals where we place our content. And our followers, they take those resources and they share them with their friends and their friends of friends. But as a hub in a wagon wheel, our website is a sanctification center where we create content and interact with our community. Now, we do everything virtually in cyberspace. We do not have any brick-and-mortar structures by design. When Lucia and I sat down in, in 2008, as we were thinking about building a ministry like this, though we had no clue, really, that it was going to be like it is today, But one of the things that we did know that we wanted or did not want, we didn't want any buildings, any structures. And and there were several reasons for that. One of the reasons is I have no desire to to, uh, retire. I'm not going to retire. I hope to never retire. I mean, if I retired, I'd do some version of what I'm doing now. So what's the point? And so I didn't want to be tied to a building. I wanted to have flexibility and mobility. And so part of why we went straight 100% technology was because of that. The other is because we wanted to be beyond a singular location, as I have been talking about. Now, as of 2020, there are 12 of us all working virtually. We are VAs, virtual assistants. We take care of the Sanctification Center and all of those who come to us for help. The address is rickthomas.net, and so that is the address that leads to our 
our sanctification center. You could think of it as a mega warehouse with millions of words in articles and ebooks and podcasts and videos and graphics and so much more. We have interactive forums where folks can freely come to ask their most important questions. We are the caretakers. We 12, I think it's 12. We are the caretakers of the sanctification center. And so the redemptive use of technology, that is step number, or point number one, or key element number one in my unpublished mission statement, well, that concept logically flows into the second key element to pulling off my unpublished mission statement, which is the replication of leaders. And so you can think of our ministry standing on two pillars. Pillar number one is the redemptive use of technology, and pillar number two is the replication of leaders. And those two pillars hold up this unpublished mission statement of taking the practical message of Christ around the world and living 25 years after I die. We need many leaders to keep the work alive and moving forward after the Lord calls me home. I call this my, my Jesus model of ministry. Because, again, he is the precedent, and he is the pace setter for doing this. You see, Jesus replicated himself into a few people, and then he left planet Earth. I am always looking for a few good men and a few good women to train. Paul, a person the Lord instructed, also employed the Lord's training method. He had a passion for pouring what he was learning into others. He said it this way to one of his protégés, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he said this, You then, my child, Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see the replication impact of, of what that verse is state, stating? The primary way that I replicate leaders is through our mastermind program, where I spend most of my energies. It's like a school where the candidate student comes to learn the skill of disciple-making. Now, I have written many articles. I've produced several podcasts about this vital training that we offer. And you can peruse some of those resources that explain our Mastermind program. In fact, I have them linked here inside of this article. Again, the title of this article and the podcast that I'm sharing with you is titled, I challenge you to live 25 years after you die. Do you accept? And so you can read some of these resources about our Mastermind program. But as I continue to think about the ministry of Jesus and how I could adapt his ministry to my life, living a short time on earth with sharing the practical message of Christ and then extending it beyond the grave, I, I noticed how Jesus gave most of his time to just a few people so that he could train them for a more extended and more expansive ministry. I am not suggesting that when Jesus focused on just a few people that he neglected anyone who had a genuine need. He didn't neglect anyone, but he understood how to stay focused on a few while ministering to the many. I mean, for example, Jesus would not feed 5,000 hungry people. 
We say Jesus fed 5,000, and, and there is truth to that. But in the most literal sense, he did not, he did not literally go and feed 5,000 people. What he did is he gave that responsibility to his well-trained team. Jesus created the resources. He created the food. And then he asked his team to distribute it. And in an analogous way, I do not give individualized time to the thousands of people who come to us for help. There are people that ask me questions on Facebook or other social media platforms that I don't answer because, well, one, I'm not there. But two, it is humanly impossible for Jesus to do this, to feed 5,000 people. And I have nothing near his capacity. And so I can't do that either. I can only focus on a few But like Jesus, we never neglect anyone with a genuine need. And that is the good news. We don't turn away anyone. We can feed 5,000 people with our ministry. We can feed 500,000 people on any given day. It is knowing the difference between receiving my attention or receiving my care. I can't give everyone my undivided attention, but I can give thousands of people every five minutes my care. I can give it through the team that we have and the resources that we have developed. Because of God's grace, we're in a spot to help literally innumerable and innumerable amount of people. Praise God. I'm going to wrap up this podcast, but before I wrap it up, Let me state the most obvious way to live 25 years beyond the grave. It is the effect that you have on your spouse, your children, and your grandchildren. If you're not married, you still have a sphere of influence that you affect. The options are not, will I impact others or will I not impact others? Those are not the options. There is only one option. You will affect those nearest to you. You and I are what we call shaping influences. We shape people for good or for evil. We influence those closest to us. We influence them, and then they pass that along to their sphere of influence. The question that each of us must ask is, what are we exporting to those around us? You and I are in the import-export business. Individuals shape us, and then whatever we become, we pass along to those in our immediate circle. And though in this podcast I am speaking mostly about influencing the world with the practical message of Christ, please don't miss the obvious. Those in your closest community are in the world. And so you must decide how you want to impact them. And so let me ask you this question, two questions actually. Question number one, in what specific way Are you impacting those around you redemptively? Question number two, in what specific way do you need to change to be a better shaping influence to those in your sphere? 
If you are unsure how to change, then I appeal to you to study my 13 steps of repentance. It is linked here in this article right above the call to action. It is a cornerstone resource of this ministry. And also, if you want, you can watch the shorter or the one-hour video presentations of this article. There is an article, there is a podcast, there is a shorter video and a one-hour video. You can consume all of that if you wish. It will bless you immensely. It will walk you through the steps of repentance. How has God gifted you? What is that thing you do that nobody else can do like you? I'm not necessarily speaking of leading a ministry like this or starting a business. Perhaps you have a complimentary gift that would fold nicely into what a church or an organization is doing. In what way can you mobilize your unique gifting to either lead or supplement a gospel-centered organization in fulfilling the Great Commission? The title of the podcast is, I Challenge You to Live 25 Years After You Die, Do You Accept? This is not an option, actually. The most obvious way that you can impact others is the sphere in which you live. But if you want to do more, I would challenge you to do that as well. Who knows what God could do with your unique life? If you want to chat with us about these things, then I would appeal to you. Just reach out to us. We are here. We have interactive forums. Jump on our free forums. If you happen to be a supporter of our ministry, then please jump on our private forums and ask the question that is specific and important to you, and our team will be glad to respond to you and advise you in any way that we can. For those of you who are able to help us, will you? Will you become a financial supporter of this ministry? We are doing way more than I ever imagined. We have way more people than I ever thought that God would bring for us to help and serve. And we do need your help. And if you're able, please consider supporting this ministry. Thank you for listening.